All right. Welcome to episode three of Ballin' Now. I'm Adele. I'm Natalie. And a lot has been going on this week. A lot's been going on this week. Probably too much. We're going to bring you the latest in music and sports and everything in between. And we've got a couple of really exciting interviews thrown on here. We do. Not thrown on. They're probably the most important part, realistically. (laughs) So first up, um, Natalie actually went solo for this one. But who did you interview this week? I talked to none other than Carlos Santana of literally, like, which is just kind of, to even say that is kind of a mindfuck a little bit, because it's just like, what? Carlos Santana. Yes, Carlos Santana. That Carlos Santana. Not a different Carlos Santana. (laughs) And his wife, Cindy Blackman. And they did the national anthem for game two of the NBA Finals. That's amazing. Hashtag legendary. Yes. Natalie's stock is going up, y'all. She's probably going (laughs) to abandon this podcast. After this Carlos Santana interview. I don't know about that, but (laughs) it was certainly with spiritual guidance from Adele, who was, you know, (laughs) sadly otherwise committed, but she was there in her heart. Yes, I definitely was. And we also have Sage Steele, who is the host of NBA Countdown, and that also airs on ESPN and ABC right before you tune into the finals. So that's going to be exciting. Yeah, stick around for those two interviews. Top notch commentary. Obviously, lots of great insights from her on that. Um, But to kickstart the podcast, you know, I have to say that there's one song that I've been listening to for the past couple of days. And even though it doesn't even have a real title, (laughs) it's Good Music's uh, Cruel Winter single um, that's being called Champion slash Round and Round on the Internet. Um, But it is just an amazing song, and it's super loaded with features that include, uh, where do we even begin? So it starts with Kanye, Travis Scott, Big Sean, Gucci Mane, 2 Chains, Yo Gotti. Am I forgetting anybody else? Is this the one that Quavo's on, too? And Quavo from Migos and Designer as well. And I was in the building um, at MetLife Stadium on Sunday night. (laughs) A little flex. As as, as Natalie flexes on me right now. Um, and she's flexing on me. I'm flexing physically. She's always flexing physically in flexing. real life. Um, and I got to see the Good Music crew, minus like you know Gucci, unfortunately, as well as uh, Quavo. But I got to see them perform the song at Summer Jam, mm-hmm. and I was literally getting my life. So I now mean, I need the official version. I, I need an, an official title. So Kanye. Get to it. <laughs> but we know we're probably not going to get the official title for like the next three months. We know how like Or the Pablo official mixture. Went, you know, like the yeah, official exactly. mix of the song. I He's going to be like, no, I need to like cut some verses. I need to add some. We're going to change up the lyrics. Cause Which that's he did like say on Big Emma. Boy's Neighborhood. He did say, or Big Boy's show, I should say. He said that there was going to be a few more tweaks done. So this whole version might be... <laughs> completely different than how we hear it now. Um, Keeping us on our toes. (laughs) But I do want to stick to that whole Champions theme just because we recently um, lost a boxing legend. His name is Muhammad Ali, born as Cassius Clay. And it was a very... It was a very devastating loss just because he is the GOAT. He is the greatest of all time. He's a revolutionary inside and outside of the ring. He stood for something, you know, was a civil rights activist and, you know, wasn't afraid to talk shit. Yeah, no, and I mean, that's the really groundbreaking thing about his career and the thing that a lot of, that really inspires a lot of young athletes and particularly athletes of color to really be like, this is, you know, I don't need to act a certain way, you know, I can be respected and successful and make a difference without necessarily 
acting the way I am quote unquote supposed to act, you know, or following any of these rules or whatever. And a lot of people say for that reason, he's one of the people who gave birth to hip hop. That's sort of a little bit of conventional wisdom is like, because his smack talk was so legendary and like so perfectly like pitch perfect, like not too, not too big of a dig, not too stupid. You know, it was clever and funny and like a lot of times it rhymed. So a lot of people are like, Ali is one of the like hugely influential people when it came to hip hop. And fittingly he was quoted in Sugar Hill Gang's, you know, first song, first hip hop song ever. So this is a guy who said he made medicine sick. Which always stays with me. Um, But, you know, in addition to losing Muhammad Ali, uh, just today there was news that broke about um, mixed martial artist uh, Kimbo Slice, who died at 42 years old. The cause is still unknown, I believe. And it's just kind of wild how many people we've been losing the first half of 2016. Oh, my God. It's just been... It's just been heartbreaking to... you know, to see living legends, just I don't know. It, I'm, I'm, I'm almost speechless. Like just thinking yeah, about it it's from just, Prince, David Bowie, and Natalie Cole. Like yeah. just a lot, a lot, a lot of people, and it's. It's, like, so... Like, now I'm, like, looking at potential interviews, and I'm like, we need to do this interview today. Like, I'm worried they're going to die tomorrow. And it's almost... And, you know... Like, it's so terrifying. And the thing is, people in journalism might think of that as, like, a sick joke or whatever, but, you know, when you work in this industry, it's... It's something that you have to consciously think about just because, you know, you have to start prepping obituaries um, far ahead in advance. You have to start thinking about, like, oh, my gosh, you know, what if this what if this person, you know, leaves the earth tomorrow or even in, you know, in an hour from now. Um, But it's just something it's just because it's been happening so frequently. It's kind of like you're looking to the people who are still here and you're just praying that they, yeah, taking advantage of like the time and their talents while they're still here. My concert going like face. I'm like, I need to see this person. If I know they're having a concert, like I am going tomorrow because I don't know what's going to happen. Like, Dolly Parton I'm not saying anything I'm saying she's playing in New York this month and like I'm going to that concert yes, I'm not yes. going to miss Dolly Parton in New York yeah and that's the same mentality I have too yeah so I'm with it's you just on that. anyway sorry that's a little dark but R.I.P. Muhammad Ali and Kimbo Slice just we're you know trying to just we're happy that you shared your gifts with us while you were here And now, the injury report, where we take a look at the people who have taken a hit on and off the court. Starting with, you know him, Piers Morgan, who recently had some things to say about Muhammad Ali on Twitter. Following his death, he basically said that Muhammad Ali said a lot, had a lot of inflammatory comments about white people. A lot of people have been criticizing Piers Morgan online, including right. John Legend. And, I, and this Teigen. is not this is not new. Like he he stays like saying shit that is inflammatory. He is like a very big troll. He's a in professional the world. troll. So yeah, it's basically, just like you know, we can't. It's like it's almost like you can't take it too much to heart. It just sucks that he even still has a platform, you know, that people are still listening to him because he just like says shit. But yes, as Adele alluded to, um, John Legend and Chrissy Teigen just combine forces to take him down a notch on Twitter, you know, which which I love because are they are you know the epitome of relationship goals in my Definitely. mind, and I feel like Very in everyone's couple. mind, and you know the fact that. 
John Legend has always just been very vocal, especially when it comes to, you know, empowering black people and just taking a stand against things that aren't right. Yeah. And basically, you know, John Legend responded to Piers Morgan saying, why would stating that Muhammad Ali made a lot of inflammatory race charge statements in his life be remotely controversial? And of course, Legend responded on Twitter saying, you know what, you could test us by announcing your retirement. Right. Meanwhile, Bay Chrissy Teigen comes through and she's like, from what? Trolling isn't a job. I've tried. Which was like yeah. the perfect, you know, one-two response from the both of them. Um, but, you know, what, what is your take, Natalie, on just this overall like, criticism of Ali, like, not even a week after he's passed, and oh, then yeah. you're going to start bringing up, yeah. you know, all these things that he said when you look at 2016 and everyone is saying inflammatory no, shit on timelines. I mean, it's not even that. It's like he didn't, I don't know, he was speaking up. He was an activist, and that's, like, that's so important, and I think... You know, it was almost like more difficult then because there were so many fewer outlets. So every time he spoke, people were listening. You know, it wasn't just like you tweet something and it gets deleted and then like people forget the next week because there's just such a huge volume of information that's coming out all the time. Like he gave interviews, he said stuff, and it went down in history because like there was just, he didn't have a Twitter account, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think so it's like, and he was thoughtful and considering he made a huge impact. So, like, and also, he literally just died. So, relax. And so, relax with the hot takes. Like, we don't need, like, just let people remember this person and the impact he had on their lives. And don't, like, it's just, it's just gross. Like, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and then elsewhere on the social media platform, uh, Instagram, we had this, uh, <laughs> I'm going to put this in air quotes. IG model. <laughs> yeah. Got I mean, that's another pair of air quotes caught looking scandal- scandalously at Steph Curry during a game. Yeah. I, was, what? <laughs> like, I don't where know do you even be injured here. I think it's just us. Like, we're injured for even making this a story, but it was a really funny screen cap. Yes. I think it was, it was just like a weird moment, you know? Like, I don't think she was actually doing anything like gross. But <laughs> Adele is giving the shadiest <laughs> look right now. It's literally perfect. So we're looking at this photo, right? And I wish that I could just, like, zap the image through the microphone in order for the, our listeners to see this. But, I we'll mean, if you Google it, it if you yeah. if you Google it, yeah, or, you know, we'll embed it in the post. You look at this woman, and she's holding her drink. And, and it's like, just, her fingers are up, like, her, right by her mouth. Yeah, and it's, and it's like, just, you know, and I feel, what was this moment? I think Curry was getting ready to do a layup, or he was about to get I a ball. I don't even really know. But it's just... It looks wrong on all fronts, <laughs> in and my the opinion. Woman sort of looks like Aisha Curry, like in an Instagram model way. Like an Instagram model does Aisha Curry. Like there is a resemblance <laughs> there. So, like people were making all these jokes on the internet. They're like, "Cousin Faith has to fix up stuff a plate because like Aisha oh, is too busy no. in the kitchen." And like, internet, stuff why like don't you have chill? <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> but yeah, and she's this woman, like honestly, like I respect the hustle. She's wearing like warriors colors, but like in a and crop is that top every and a game though. Skirt. It's just kind of crazy how she's courtside at almost every single game per like, her Instagram. I need to understand how this happens. Like I need her to teach me her ways of how she like just gets into all these games and like makes it all happen. But there's there's levels to this game and she's you know, and she's working it. She's working is, it. You know, she's, she's capitalizing she's like, off of the momentum. Exactly. Off of the she's publicity. probably going to get a reality show off this Instagram. Like, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. 
Or get on that. There's that show Wags on Bravo. (laughs) She's probably going to get on that. I would put money on it. I guess only time will tell. Um, But, I mean, when it comes to the Warriors in general, they've just been kicking straight up ass. Yes. Sorry. Sorry, LeBron and COVID. I don't know what's going on in Cleveland. I don't know what's happening. LeBron needs to, like, remember Fat Joe in our in episode two, which you may want to check out if you haven't yet. Fat Joe said, I just want to, he told us about how he DM'd LeBron. Like, for that was his first ever DM, and he said, LeBron, get your shit together. LeBron, get your shit together. Fat Joe told Please, you. Please, listen I'm to Fat Joe. You, like, listen to your fans. I like, mean, I just really, I mean, of course it would be epic if the Warriors were to sweep the series, but I really want to see a fight. Boring. Exactly. Yeah, well, it it's just predictable. On Sunday, I couldn't, I didn't want to watch that. It's exactly. like, oh. It's like a okay, blowout. Steph Curry shoots three-point shot. News at 11. Like, who, at this point, how many three-pointers do we need to yeah, see him shoot? I, I mean, know. They're all amazing. Whatever. Steph Curry's great. Yeah. Um, I mean, but at least at game one, you know, Steph and Clay, you know, the MVPs on that team were just off. Yeah. And, which happens, you know? Things, we created things happen. created a little bit of tension. But I love that the bench became the stars of the night, especially, you know, Sean Livingston and Draymond Green. Like, you know, just knowing that you have an actual team when your star players are down and out. I mean, that's crazy. That's that's synergy. That's how the that's Spurs chemistry. were supposed to function, and then they just like <laughs> here we it go up. with the Spurs. <laughs> no, but it's true. But honestly, okay, like real talk, Draymond Green, he's been pulling some stuff on the court and like not getting in trouble for it. He's just like being hella aggressive, like the Kevin Love. He was like dunking while Kevin Love was like on the ground, like having been concussed. I don't yeah. know. I'm just like, all right, side eye. I don't know. I don't know about that. Um, But, yeah, I think LeBron is in the injury report this episode. Hopefully not next episode because we don't want him to be – we want LeBron to be great. I used to be a former LeBron hater, but that was because he was on Miami. And, um, you know, I don't know. I just wasn't a big fan of the big three, even though they were killing it at that time. (laughs) Um, But, you know, in other news, it feels like the curse – you know, know. has It'll been be on Kevin Durant. It's yeah, Kevin Durant. Poor Kevin Durant. I like I feel so bad for him. They were so incredible in that series, and then they it really just were. like it, they were so collapsed close. at the so end. Close. It was like they were ahead until the last four minutes. If that's not a curse, I've never seen a curse. Yeah. Like, and I may never have seen a curse. Curses may not be real, but but like it's it's incredible how and, that series went down. You know, it was and so Little B confirmed, and Little B is you know this Bay Area rapper who has been sprinkling his curse everywhere uh, on NBA players. James Harden and Kevin Durant are yeah. the are the notable victims. You will notice that neither of them have rings, so you know it's not it's not, not for completely nothing. out of the question. Best of luck to Kevin Durant. You know, in the future, we hope Little B just just. I think you guys just need to sit down, mm-hmm. just have a just rap about it, work through it. Yeah. You know that's what they say. Communication is key to a good relationship. Before we wrap this injury report, where do you want to see KD go when his contract is? I out? mean the Spurs. Uh, <laughs> 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 I walked right into that one. I knew she was going to say that. I mean, I would have obviously said the Knicks. So you know, right. I mean, at the same time, I really do think it would mean a hell of a lot more if he stayed in OKC and yeah. just won well, the ring there. Well, I read there. this um, Sports Illustrated profile on him, kind of that was like timed with the Western Conference Finals, and it was really interesting. He talked about um, how his time with the team, he's seen Oakland, or Oakland, Jesus, 
Oklahoma City really be revitalized, like, just by the presence of the team and how there's, like, all this growth and development there and people are really, like, super, super into it. And that, like, it pulled my Sonics-loving heartstrings a little bit, you know, even though I have all of this built-up resentment for the Thunder because Sonics. But, like, that was sweet, you know. Mm -hmm. I was... I was like, oh, okay, maybe they have something going on here. Mm-hmm. But if if they don't fix things with a little bean, then there's no point. I know. <laughs> so. so they gotta. They probably have to like dead their beef with the little bee before they can flourish. <laughs> that is the unfortunate truth. Fortunate for little bee because he will continue to get headlines. <laughs> yep. And then for our real MVP of the week, I'll let Natalie go first. Who is your pick for the week? My pick. Well, this is sort of more of a build-up MVP of the week. It's more MVP of my life, really. But <laughs> like, it. but we're just going to call him out this week. The one and only Marshawn Lynch. Woo! Seattle Seahawk and legend. Skittles lover. Skittles lover. Um, but yeah, he he's actually going to be the focus of a 60 Minutes special, which I'm really looking forward to. I think it airs this week or next week. I'm not positive. But... He's just, I realized that there are all of these hit songs in 2016 that quote Marshawn Lynch. I think that's such a special thing because it's not just like they're shouting him out. You know, it's not just like, be like Marshawn, which is normally how sports players get tied into songs. Mm-hmm. They're like, I'm going to be like Steph, be like LeBron. Be like Mike. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. Be> like, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> uh, Doing my duty, guys. Doing my duty. Um, but they're actually quoting him. Like... You know, so might be by DJ Luke Nasty. You may think you haven't heard this song, but you've probably heard it because it was like a pretty big hit earlier this year. It's just by a virtual unknown. But he has this line and he's like, on my Marshawn Lynch, you know what I'm here for. I love that. I absolutely love that. And obviously they're quoting the Super Bowl press conference from 2016, 15, when Marshawn was like, you know why I'm here. You know, like, and that's all he said to reporters. It's just a walking bag of quotables, that guy. He exactly, and that's even though he doesn't thing. talk to press, it's like when he does Every speak, thing he says it's just is incredible. Quotable. And like on Uber Everywhere, which is now rising on the Hot 100, it's like 56 to speak, which is pretty good look for a dude who's independent. Mm-hmm. Just like, and this is his only song. Um, it's we don't know how to say his name. I know we made were in made into made, made in Tokyo, made in Tokyo. Anyway, we'll get it right next podcast, guys. Don't worry. <laughs> But he has this line that's like, um, she says she's about that action, but I'm a pass. <laughs> and it's like, because Marshawn said, I'm just about that action boss. So, like, it's just perfect, and it warms my heart. And, I, and you know, I looked it up on Genius, because I was trying to, like, just make sure I had the lyrics right, because I was editing something about this rapper. Shout out to Genius. Yeah, shout out to Genius. But the person who annotated that line didn't mention Marshawn. I was like, Aww. guys, this is like his most famous quote. Like, ugh. Natalie, you're supposed to, I think you should be annotating that yourself. I, I think I really need to go through Genius and put Marshawn next to every single For one For every Marshawn reference. That is your job <laughs> after this podcast is done. Um, and then he's also announcing his retirement. Well, not announcing, but it's announced. like, it's yeah. already formal. Was, and like, he did, he announced it in the middle of the Super Bowl, which is such an incredible flex. It, was <laughs> it really like, is. You know, I think during the second quarter, and he posted this Instagram with him hanging up his cleats, yeah. and everyone was like, how dare Marshawn try and take away the spotlight from the people playing? And it's like, <laughs> just chill. He is incredible. Yes. And that was the perfect way to do it. And 
It was great. And now we have to look forward to that uh, 60 Minutes interview. Yes. Um, and then for me, my MVP of the week goes to Serena Williams, who not only just covered um, the July issue of Glamour magazine, but also was named the t- well the world's highest paid female athlete besting Maria Sharapova. So the 34-year-old, I don't know why I said it like that, guys. <laughs> I just wanted because to. Because that's how you have to say it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I believe she's made... $77.6 million in career prize money, which is more than twice as any other female athlete, which is bananas. So, you know, Serena Williams, as DJ Khaled would say, is definitely securing the bag. <laughs> <laughs> as Natalie yes. just laughs at me. She, no, I. that's perfect. I mean, that's exactly right. She, They don't want her to win, and that is true in the words of DJ Khaled. People, like talk shit about Serena Williams so much and it's so annoying because she's literally a legend and there's been a lot of conversation about how she just doesn't get the recognition for her accomplishments that other athletes do you know and it's like she's really probably the best tennis player of all time but nobody talks about her that way Mm -hmm. you know which is just and it's because she's a woman and she's black and people just don't they don't even have the facility to get to that level of like appreciating how great she really is. So. But it's okay because Team Ballin' Out knows that she's a goat. It doesn't even matter what everyone else says. <laughs> That's um, true. But yeah, so those were our MVPs of the week. Yeah, and I mean, I think we're gonna we're trying to introduce a new franchise, one that I you know personally, I, I have a lot of feelings about this, but we're gonna start doing a Drake update when it is relevant because Drake. He's just around. There's never not enough Drake news. Every single week, there's always something. He's, like, appearing somewhere. He's at somebody's game. We've talked about how he floats around to all kinds of different fandoms, which is a whole other thing. So, you know, this is a working title, but we'll call it the Drake update. Yep. From the six. From the six. From from Manhattan to the six, actually. <laughs> on the six train. <laughs> Isn't that that's the J Lo song, right? Or the, the album a, on the six, her debut you. album. Okay. Resident okay. J Lo stand here. <laughs> Don't get it. <laughs> J Lo, if you're listening, please come to our podcast. Thanks. Um, but back to Drake. So Rambert for New York Mag actually did this amazing uh, interview with Doris Burke, who is an OG. Love her. And um, she spoke about this little, I guess, encounter that she had with Drake (laughs) during a game. Yeah, and it was just like, you know, she's, I mean, she's awesome, but probably not what people would think of as eye candy, necessarily. I mean, just because she's been in the game for a while. But I guess she says that Drake was sitting in front of her during the Raptors-Cavs series during the Eastern Conference Finals. And he, like, turned around and made a heart with his hands and pointed at her. Which I could totally see happening. Oh, that's, like, I envisioned totally it as I was reading that. Do. And she looked behind her because she was like, who is he pointing at? And then he turned around and did it again to her. So she was like, okay, Drake is like... You know, Drake be loving on, like, you know, the sideline reporters, for real. I mean, yeah. he's also... <laughs> I mean, he's also taken, like, a cheesy uh, photo with... I See, and I know I'm going to butcher her name. Roslyn... Ogunde, who works for the Warriors. Um, they also have a cute little moment together. <laughs> mm. um, but he's, you know, Jake is just always he, out here. He's a lover, not a hater, until you don't return his phone calls. Then he'll write a song about you. Or um, if you try to throw shots about him ghostwriting on a song. Right. <laughs> well, and then he'll still just 
take shots at you on a song and not actually do anything. But <laughs> no, and he also he Instagrammed that picture of Sarah Silverman too. So you just you can't predict who Drake is going to be thirsty for. He has more than enough. Who his WCW around. of the week is? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it is. There, there's a lot of thirst happening on Drake's end, and it's he spreads the love. Um, but yeah, so shout out to Drake, basketball fan and sideline reporter fan, and he's also. Um, a guy who eats because <laughs> because in the metaphorical and literal sense <laughs> because he actually uh, hung out with Steph Curry, his like Warriors BFF, um, at the opening of Aisha Curry's pop up restaurant, which was called International Smoke. Um, what they were eating, I actually have no idea, but I'm going to assume it was barbecue since that was the theme of the entire restaurant. And probably, probably. now we need an invite. Yeah, yeah, I know. Why Why weren't we there hanging out? It seems like perfect podcast fodder. But yeah, I found, like, I didn't know about this Aisha Curry 0 to 100 remix that happened. Adele already knew. Already but, on it. But, like, Steph and Aisha did this video where they're dancing around in their kitchen and they're, like, Chef Curry with the pot. And, like, because Aisha is the one, she's saying, like, I'm Chef Curry, mm-hmm. you know? Um, which is very cute and, like, okay, even a hater like me can't really resist that. Um, so, yeah. Oh, but what I was going to say is I was having this discussion with Adele. What would Drake have done if the Warriors were somehow, I know this was unlikely, but somehow playing the Raptors in the finals? Like, Steph Curry is, like, his dude, but the Raptors are his team. I know he would have gone for the Raptors, but it would have been, like, I feel like he would have been very conflicted but that's not a new emotion for Drake so I don't know if it would have been all his fair and love in basketball for, <laughs> for Drake um I feel like he reps the six till he dies <laughs> you know I do this Natalie I do this um but seriously I do feel like Drake would have sided with the six but you know after the game is done he would have yeah he would have offered a complimentary sort of bottle like... of Virginia Black to Curry <laughs> and been like for, for your woes. <laughs> oh my god! I gotta see now. I gotta exit the wow, room because even I'm like, ashamed of myself at this moment. The puns are coming fast and furious. Coming in like, hot, man. Coming in hot. Yeah, came this to play. Is, this is like a legendary five minutes that we've had with puns, or maybe even one minute. <laughs> we should do some sort of contest to see how many puns you can get in a minute. Ooh, um, that sounds like an idea. Future Stay episodes. Stay tuned for that. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Um, but that was our Drake update. Yeah. Only all the only timelines will tell what will happen <laughs> next week. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> She's going to be here all week. Folks. Yes. Yes. Um, I'm going absolutely nowhere. <laughs> um, but yeah. So next up, we're going to switch it over to this interview with Santana and his wife, Cindy Blackman talking about NBA, what NBA can do with politics, and what the national anthem means to them. All right, so we are lucky enough to have Carlos Santana and Cindy Blackman on the podcast today because they are performing the national anthem at Game 2 of the NBA Finals. So I just wanted to ask you guys, I mean, you've performed the national anthem before. When was the first time that you did it? Hmm. I think it was that time. 
for the finals. Well, for me, it was that time. Yeah, that was the very first time. Oh, okay. The basketball finals. Yeah, for basketball finals, it was it was the same. It was the same last last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I remember that. Had you done it, and you did it at a World Series as well, right, Carlos? Uh, we did it at the yeah. I did it with my son, and we also did the World Cup in. Oh yeah, we did the World we Cup. We did the we played the World Cup in Brazil, That's amazing. So you've done a lot of really like kind of top line stuff. Shit. Are you guys still there? I'm thinking I get to do do it now, and because the way we present it, one one thing that is is important uh, national event, an event like this, coast to coast, and also worldwide, uh, there is a frequency, sound vibration, sound vibration resonance of collective commonality. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's so many things that can make people go into a fragmented fear because there's so much of it out there in the world. Yeah. So when Cindy and I play the national anthem, we it, it, we elevate the 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 energy first of all because we bring a lot of energy to it. It's it's not threatening, but it is elevating, and it makes people feel uh, like we are. Because we've been saying this for a long time, you know, about Marley, one love, and mm-hmm. Woodstock, and you know, we're all one, and. and but a lot of times with all this happening on CNN and it's happening with so much division and, and, and brutality, you know. Uh, so when we play the national anthem for Cindy and I, mm-hmm. it's an opportunity to bring it all together, bring it all together. Uh, it's like one breath, you know, yeah. one, and, 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 and it's a joy because... When I was playing it, I, I, I kept looking at Cindy, but I kept looking at LeBron James <laughs> and, and Curry, and they were dancing to it. You know, their, their hands were down, and they were, you know, they were very respectfully because it's a very respectful song. Right. But they were dancing. They were bobbing and weaving, and like, yeah, <laughs> uh-huh, yeah, you know? Definitely. And that's what's grand about this. Is that this is an opportunity to make it even the opposite team it's not it's not opposite anymore. It's not division or separation. It it becomes um, with trusting and mm-hmm. healing and harmony and unity. Yeah. No, for sure. I mean that's like it's cool to hear that like so much thought is kind of that you guys put so much into it, you know, really just kind of on a on a mental, like thoughtful level. It's really interesting. Um, it's a joy too to to be able to be in a position to do that because it feels like we're able to touch and and through that touch unite hearts and so many at one time. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, it's interesting. You were kind of talking a little about like divisions and stuff and how kind of having this moment together of peace can be very unifying. I mean, in an election year to perform the national anthem, I feel like has almost specific significance because we're sort of talking a lot about what it means to be Americans and whatnot. And then, you know, to come in and perform the national anthem. Is that something you sort of 
think about, like kind of the context of what everyone's talking about right now with politics and whatnot? Yeah, that too. You know, I, I think that the the, the first time I, I heard the national anthem and felt it where it was spiritual and sensual, you know, because even though it was a national game, uh, it was very, uh, you know, that word sensuality is it's a blessing, you know, it, it, and it's not something that is to be embarrassed or feel awkward about. Mm-hmm. The sensuality, the way Marvin Gaye did it, it was very sensuous. And, and I, what I noticed is that people are like, oh, you know, it, it became more than dropping bombs and threatening other people with we're mighty in your night. You know, it, it wasn't about that. Right. It was very unifying, but it had a what we call the collective commonality. You know, because we're, we're, we all get thirsty. We all get <laughs> lonely. And we all get thirsty for a hug, you know. Right. <laughs> so when you play it like that, and it, it hasn't become like a, a song necessarily for for to to promote military or that kind of stuff. It, it's not. This is not an event for guys only with the Marines. You know, <laughs> it's not. We, we we strip it. We strip it of that, and we make it so that it's like a a hug. You know, for mom and dad, the children, grandma and grandpa. You know, and it's more than the United States for me. It, it's 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 the, the the human commonality that we have with one another, and. That's why I like that it's an opportunity to, to really, really make it all one, like John Lennon wanted to and Bob Marley wanted to. Mm-hmm. So we have an opportunity to to make it not sappy or corny, but to make it right. like really powerful, mighty, yet at the same time very delicious. And, you know, it's funny because uh, if I could add just one thing to that, um, the word sensuality represents more than just the the, the 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 common meaning for it, because it means passion, and you can be passionate. It doesn't have to be tied to uh, the, the 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 things that sensuality is usually tied to, mm-hmm. but you can be passionate about something. So to to be able to be passionate um, about getting a message across and a feeling across to people, you know, through this way and, and through this song, you know, it's, it means a lot because we know that it will reach a lot of people. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I guess like the, I think the first game had like one of the highest ratings ever for an NBA game. So you will definitely be <laughs> reaching a lot of people. Um, I was going to ask, you mentioned Marvin Gaye. Are there any other people whose national anthem performances have really stuck with you? I think that the, the supreme number one is Marvin Gaye, mm-hmm. Jimi Hendrix, and Whitney Houston. Yeah, right. all those three, the way they did it, it's like, uh, it's, it's, I use that word because it's important to put it in that context. It's very supreme, you know, to, to, uh, because all of a sudden the national anthem, that's, it becomes more than national, it becomes uh, universal. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, universal and even beyond this planet. It becomes galactic. 
galactic anthem. Yeah, because if, if Martians or other, other, other ones are listening to you, they're going to start we, bobbing and weaving and shaking their heads and smiling. <laughs> That's what we want to do. And that, that's where the passion comes in, because when you play something with, with that kind of passion, then you reach people, no matter what it is, and you can reach people because this is such a familiar song. Right. Yeah, no, I think it's so interesting, too. Like, I sometimes there's sort of a rejection of instrumental performances, I think. Like, people really are used to hearing it with a vocalist, but then, I don't know, for me, it's like, hearing it, it's so impactful, you know, even without the words. It's just sometimes more impactful, almost. Because some of them are kind of weird, you know, rockets, red glare, etc. But I think you're right, and I think that without the, the lyrics, you know, the way Carlos plays, he plays like a singer anyway. Mm-hmm. He's a lyrical player, so anytime he plays a melody... You think you're hearing lyrics even if you're not. Right. You know? <laughs> and without the lyrics, I think it makes you listen that much more, you know, because the spoken word is as strong and as, and as impactful as it is, um, when it's something that you've heard over and over and again, you know, it can make you kind of take for granted a little bit. Your ear can take, just, you right. know, kind of not really key into every little aspect of it, but you know, without that, you were listening, oh, man, did you hear the inflection in that note? Whoa, I felt that. It wasn't <laughs> even a word. Well, that's because the feeling of, of any output, if it's given with passion and love and, you know, um, and positivity, it goes beyond the word or the note. It's, it's all about the, the, the feeling that you put into it. Yeah. No, that is true. And I'm sure... You know, all the players on Sunday, they're going to be <laughs> they're going to be looking for some good vibes before they get out there on the court, you know, <laughs> to center yeah. themselves and stuff. <laughs> all, all of these guys are, are they have so much passion. You know, LeBron and Kyrie, they play with such complete passion, you know, and and, mm-hmm. and, and, and so so does Curry, you know, all of his whole team. Tom, they're, they're very passionate, you know, so we're 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 lucky that, you know, we're getting to do this with them. We, we feel honored. Yeah. You, know, you can visualize a little boy and a little girl uh, enjoying some ice cream <laughs> and, and going, lick, slurp. To me, it, it ha- I wanted to have that innocence. You yeah. know, to me, innocence is extremely powerful. Innocence is more powerful than dropping bombs and pointing missiles at someone. The innocence of two children uh, enjoying ice cream and singing the national and humming the national anthem. You know, to me, that that's what makes it so that people in Brazil, people in Africa, people in India, they say, "Boy, I wish I was there, and right. I wish I was a part of that." Even though people can be very nationalistic and very territorial. I want the national anthem to be an invitation to mm. dropping patriotism, you know, yeah. dropping all of that stuff, and and because to me patriotism is very prehistoric, you know. I, I want the national anthem the way we play it to be a huge, incredible, soulful hug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like. 
that kind of rhetoric is a nice antidote to a lot of the stuff that we kind of hear are hearing in the, you know, political discussions right now. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of vitriol. Um, but it's sort of like on a more sports, you know, sort of getting back into the sports specifically. Are you guys both fa- big basketball fans? Absolutely, yes. Yeah? <laughs> Yes, we 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 probably oh, believe completely. We've both been fans probably all our lives. I've, I've been playing basketball since I was a little girl. Really? That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, my 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 brother wanted a little brother, my older brother, so he, <laughs> little sister. But he, you know, made me learn all the sports that he loved. Right. So I've been playing basketball since you know since I was big enough to bounce one. <laughs> and uh, Carlos is, is is a longtime fan, and so we we watch every season. We watch. We're glued to the TV. You know, we watch at at that moment. You know, we watch all the games. We love it. That's awesome. What's your guys's team? Uh, in this series, or just I mean, in general and in the series. <laughs> uh, in general. In general, our team is the Spurs. We love the Spurs. Me too. <laughs> I'm a big Spurs fan. Oh, they have so much class, and and just they're just such gentlemen on the court, off the court. Um, uh, coach, we love Popovich. Um, uh, we 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 love uh, elegance and grace and integrity. You know, mm-hmm. we really really do. To us, it's really really like a turn on and very stimulating. Yeah. Yet we also love uh, the the tenacity to be. LeBron James to have six in a row, uh, yeah. you know, performances at at, at, at at this level. As I mean, it's hard to do one six. Yeah, he's, he's he's a phenomenon, LeBron. He's he's really amazing. Uh, we've seen him, you know, like last year. We basically saw him carry the whole team himself. Oh yeah, he had injuries and this and that and whatever. You know, so he's, he's he's really incredible. And and you know, it's it's. It's interesting because when we're not we're not kissing up or anything, but we also love Golden State. You know, Curry is he's phenomenal. You know, he's like uh, a new plant in the garden. Yeah, he's something that we've not seen in basketball. You know, and and I and I, you know, not only did I grow up with basketball, but I grew up playing basketball all through junior high and high school. Right. And watching all of that, and, and Carlos plays too. You know. Um, so we, we 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 certainly recognize in, in Curry that he is as well uh, just a would be like the ninth wonder of the world now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I know. Uh, I know you, you have to complete this. Uh, we we want to take the high road, look at the aerial view, and see the big picture. Our team is already weighing home, went fishing. Uh, the Spurs. <laughs> However, at this point, we, we're we're still invested emotionally on both, uh, of course, the Warriors and and, um, and and the Cavaliers because we love to root for excellence, mm-hmm. and both of them are bringing excellence. And, and and I think that this is a good thing to promote in the United States. You know, uh, it, when when you're selling uh, the lowest denominator of mentality like Donald Trump mm-hmm. you know I, I think that when you see 10 men and uh, from each uh, going on, on playing basketball and it's almost like a I know it's been said before it's kind of like it's kind of like ballet mm-hmm. 
you know, very elegant. What we're talking about here is high consciousness. <laughs> Definitely. As opposed to, you know, McDonald's and TMC and National Enquirer and Howard Stern, you know, I mean, that, that, that's, it, it has its place for certain people who like that. Mm-hmm. But if you want to go to where the creme de la creme is with high consciousness, yeah. that's what this is about. That's what, that's what NBA is about. And I think that in between the games and, 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 and the, the, the commercials that we show, I think that we should invest more on commercials that promote integrity, elegance, class, dignity, grace. You know, just like you sell beer in, in trucks, I think we should promote the highest of humans, like compassion and kindness and women having children, you know. We show so much, so much killing and, and brutality. I think that we should use uh, the World Cup and the NBA and all that mm-hmm. to promote more of the highest qualities of humans, which is compassion and forgiveness and kindness. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that would be ideal. That would be ideal. Um, so if you guys were to call it right now, like, what what's your call for the series? Like, Warriors or Caps? Not who are you rooting for, but your prediction. What's your prediction? My prediction? You want my, um, I think, um, I think Golden State's going to win, and but I think it's going to go to seven games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Carlos, I, I feel it's, I feel the same. I think it's going to go to seven. I like to go see see it go to seven, but I think that the Warriors, the Golden State, are so young. They want to wear they want to wear the other guys. They want to be wheezing because <laughs> 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 this guys are very very young. They got young legs and big hearts. Yeah, yeah. That's a for the Warriors: young legs and big hearts. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm from Ohio, so I won't be mad if, if, if the Cavs win because, you know, I think it would be great for, for the city of Cleveland because if that city uh, needs some upliftment, yeah. you know, and some energy. Um, and, I, you know, of course, I, I love my roots. I love Ohio. So, I, you know, I won't be mad if, if, if the Cleveland Cavaliers win for sure. But, you know, I also uh, have grown to love Golden State living in the Bay Area. Um, right. Uh, you know, so, but I, but I still think that Golden State's going to pull it out. Me too, and thank you for this. Uh, you know, What's who, your prediction? Yeah, who are you for? Me? I'm like, I'm going for the Cavs. I can't help, like, going for the underdog a little bit. You know, that's my, that's my weakness. Um, but... But yeah, it's hard to call LeBron James an underdog in any situation, but it seems in this situation that he might be. Um... But yeah, I think that's about all the major questions I have. Is there anything I didn't ask that you guys wanted to make sure to mention? No, thank you for this. And again, we we, we feel very grateful and very honored uh, that we're we're asked again to bring our frequency. Because it is a frequency, you know? Yeah, definitely. Well, the honor is all ours. We are very, very happy to have you guys on here. We're so so happy. And thank you, Natalie. Thank Thank you. you.
And that was Natalie's amazing interview with the Santanas. Um, you know, how do you feel now that you have Carlos Santana on your interview resume? I mean, it was pretty great. I was just, I was so pleased with how chill they were. I came away feeling very zen, honestly, because they're both very much about, like, peace and love and unity, and I just came away. You know, sometimes a day at Billboard is not about peace and love and unity. Sometimes it's a little bit stressful, so it was a nice way to to wrap things up. Nice. And then now we have our NBA countdown host, Sage Steele, who will be talking about the finals and weighing in on whether the Cavs should hit the panic button now and what exactly is on her playlist. And there are some naughty songs on there, but then there are also mom-friendly songs on there. So <laughs> And a few surprises. <laughs> and a few surprises. So check it out. What y'all want to do? Want to be ballers, shot callers, brawlers, booby dipping in the bins with the... So, um, Sage, so let's begin with the NBA Finals. You know, it's what everybody's talking about. Do you feel that it's time for the Cleveland, Caval- Ca- uh, sorry, Cleveland Cavaliers to hit the panic button right now? Um, uh, let's, let's put it this way. Um, they need to treat game three like a game seven, yeah. in my opinion. Um, so they'll never admit to using the word panic, and <laughs> nor should they. But um, I think, obviously, down 0-2, they're already in a huge hole. Um, I mean, mentally, I don't know. This is If I'm in their shoes, I am extremely concerned. And uh, it's not just that they lost. It's the way that they were beaten. And by 33 points in game two, when they were up early, they looked good early on in that first quarter. And I thought, okay, they, they, they learned a lot from game one. They, had, they took a lot from it and now are kind of back where they should be. And, and then Golden State just took over. So I, I really think it's uh, going to be fascinating to see how they respond. Now, they're back home. Uh, I expect this to go at least five games now because they're back home. And they play very well here at the queue. And their fans are going to be crazy. Um, but to me, it's the way that they've lost these games that is so concerning. Right. Did you see this coming? Like, when you were looking at the finals from the outset, like, did you predict any of this at all, or is it really surprising to you? No, I'm shocked. I'm disappointed. I'm kind of mad at them. Um, <laughs> I, I predicted seven. I thought Golden State in seven, and that it would really be a battle, suit and nail every single game down to the end, and that... Golden State would win it at home. I think I thought home court would play such a big role in this, and maybe it still will. Who knows? I mean, there's obviously still a chance, but, um, you know, I, I, most people had trouble picking the series and thought at least six games, probably seven. I think everybody's in shock. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you've been holding it down for NBA Countdown, um, you know, at the Oracle Arena itself. What has been the atmosphere uh, inside, you know, in comparison from game one to game two? I mean, game two, it was funny. They were obviously, the fans were obviously thrilled in game one, but for game two, because of the beatdown they put on them from the second half on, fans were so crazed. It was was, kind of cool to see. I think sometimes they tried to step back and step out of that chair, you know, um, the host chair and and working and just taking the atmosphere. And, you know, those fans were just elated because they're like, I think they probably expected more of a fight as well. I know everybody expected more of a fight, but they were awesome to the to the very end. Um, they're probably the team. Remember, it was 40 years uh, before right. they won a championship last year, and so to to be on the edge of, of winning again, they're thrilled. This fan base waited a really long time, but I think they knew better. So coming home to Cleveland here for the Cavs 
Um, listen, if they don't bring it and make this competitive, and at least make it a competitive game three, then, um, you know, shame on them, frankly, because it just seems like they've been in it mentally as well. Give credit to Golden State. Um, but also, if I'm Cleveland, I'm, I'm very concerned, again, not panicked, but concerned because they have gotten beaten badly without Steph Curry and Klay Thompson being really on their game. And I think Golden State's depth has really come through in this series. Um, and also the lack of competitiveness in the Eastern Conference has really come through as well because everybody said, you know, hey, Cleveland, look at they breathe through the Eastern Conference. This is going to be such a fight. Um, it was hard to gauge them, I guess, in hindsight because of the East. But, like, you know, I was just talking to one of the Warriors coaches, and they had to fight so hard in the West. And when they're down 3-1 to the Thunder, yeah. um, everybody thought they were dead because that's what the percentages say. But yeah. they came through that one three straight games against a really good team. They could have been exhausted at that point and just, you know, overwhelmed and because Cleveland had such an easy route, relatively speaking. And look, instead it energized them. I think it says a lot about this team and their character along with their depth. For sure. Yeah, no, I think the comparison between the Western Conference Finals and the finals that we've seen so far is so crazy. Like, what do you think has been the key difference for the Warriors between, you know, playing versus the Thunder and playing versus the Cavs? Like, what has been the shift in their play that's been key? It's, it's just um, the West prepares you, obviously, to be completely ready for anyone, any other team. And the East really doesn't. I mean, I know that the Raptors were close there in second um, in the final conference standings, but everybody knew that the talent that Cleveland had was just so much greater than Toronto's or anybody else's. Um, but is this much better? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, no one really predicted this. I don't, I don't know if anybody that predicted this. But again, you can take that two different ways because of the fight that Golden State had against Portland. Um, right. And then against Golden State, they could have been exhausted, you know? And Steph really hasn't been the same. I mean, he had a really good game six and game seven against the Thunder. But, you know, the news that came out about him not playing in the Olympics, he can let his knee heal, that tells you he's still not 100%. Um, but that said, look. Look at who else has stepped up. Look at Sean Livingston in game one. That was phenomenal. Look at Draymond Green in game two. After, you know, being so volatile, uh, in the Thunder series. And I love that Clay and Steph have just sat back and, and kind of smiled. Sure, they want to go crazy and play awesome games in the finals as well, but the fact that they don't have to, um, I don't know. I, I think you know, they're not going to rest on their laurels. They know that they have a lot to do here in game three and in game four, um, but their depth is being displayed for the world to see. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, also um, in, in the sports world, a lot of people are discussing, you know, their memories about Muhammad Ali, you know, one of the boxing greats that just, um, that unfortunately we lost this past weekend. Do you have any um, personal anecdotes or personal memories of, uh, of Ali? No, I don't. I mean, I've gotten to know his daughter Layla a little bit over the, the years and um you know, just so classy um, in so many ways. But for me, and I said it on the show the other night, um, he, he he fought this disease, Parkinson's disease, for, you know, over 30 years. And 
the way he thought it was always so remarkable to me um, because with that disease, like you know what's happening to you mentally and physically. And to know that, but still be Ali as long as he possibly could. I mean, you talk about a fighter. So yes, in the literal sense, in the figurative sense as well, where he just fought this terrible disease um, so valiantly. And, you know, he, even when he, he had his tremor and he's shaking, I mean, he still put those hands up like he's going to start to box. He still had that sense of humor that maybe it was more difficult to communicate. But I just always looked at him and admired. I, I know people, unfortunately, who have battled this disease, and I know how debilitating it is. But the way he handled it to me just said so much about him, so much more about him than people maybe even talk about, because it's easy to talk about what he did physically and as an athlete. Um, but to handle this kind of adversity the way he did for 30 years, to me, is, is the most impressive thing. Definitely. No, he handled it with humor. I mean, he, he would joke around about it, and he, you know, he'd laugh at himself almost. And, and not many people can do that, especially when they're such a, 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 an icon, a public figure. Sure. So. And I think that's what, you know, made everyone, you know, love him so much is because he was true to who he was, whether it was bragging about being the greatest or, you know, creating humor out of a situation that, you know, that many people might have, you know, looked at and kind of might have felt bad. Yeah, and I think a lot of people um, didn't realize the influence that he had across the sports world. Um, and to hear the details that so many of these young NBA players went into to describe what he meant to them, that even though they, they you know, they, they weren't even close to being born when he was in his prime, you know? I right. mean, that kills you because they took the time to educate themselves about who he was, what he did, what he meant. So that was really neat over the past few days to listen to these real young guys um, reflect back and just talk about what he meant to them as athletes. That, that was really a, a pleasant surprise to me. Definitely. Mm -hmm. no. um, and then beyond the sports world, uh, you know, who are some of the artists that you're listening to right now? You know, if you look at my Pandora list, <laughs> I don't know. I, many people might think I'm strange or old or <laughs> lame. I don't know. But, like, my list is so random. I mean, I have my – wait, let me turn this off. Hold on. I have my um, – I have my, like – my list of music I listen to, playlists when I'm on the road, when I'm working, you know, before a game, and then I have my Pandora stations that I listen to when I'm a mom, and they're completely, they're completely different and very inappropriate if I'm a mother, I might admit. <laughs> like I have my, my 90s hip hop and my classic hip hop and my Snoop Dogg radio, and then I have my Katy Perry radio and Taylor Swift and you know, the um, the top hit, stuff like that. So I kind of go all over the place. But, um, I mean, like, I, I admit that I'm obsessed with Justin Bieber's new album. And I am <laughs> not a Bieber person. Was it a believer? What is it? Yes, uh, a believer. believer. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Like, that was so anti-me. <laughs> so I cannot believe that right now that is my absolute favorite listen. The entire Justin Bieber album. Are you judging me now? <laughs> no, I mean I think that's kind of the way a lot of people think, honestly. Like, and that was the point of the album, you know. That this was like his renaissance, his rebirth, like, and to convert all the people who never thought they would listen to Justin Bieber. I interviewed two of the Broncos. Like, I interviewed Chris Harris, um, 
and Owen Daniels, and they both talked about how much they loved the Bieber album. Like, this was before the Super Bowl, so. <laughs> no, I don't want to look at him. I still wish he'd shower. I'm sorry to cut his hair, but like, <laughs> and Daniels, I'm just like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? So my girls are even are even tired of it because you know the love you're that I have to sing every word to they're like oh so now my kids are starting to not like him because I like him um uh, I still I mean I still absolutely love Justin Timberlake I think JT is the one celebrity in any genre sports movies you name it the one celebrity that I might pass out if I'm not is JT um but then like I have my I have my Sam Smith radio like I fall asleep every night on the road with the Sam Smith Pandora because it's all that kind of music. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh no, I'm all over but like my notorious I think my biggie small stuff. Like that makes me happy. That's what I listen to before a game. But I not I might not be an athlete with, with my big Bose headphones on. Right. But I you know, I still have my pregame ritual and I need my hip hop to get me going pregame. Definitely. Gotta get pumped up. I mean that's the way to go. <laughs> Um, but Sage, thank you so much for your time today. Really enjoyed having you on the podcast. No, thank you. Thank you for having me. And no judging, right? No, no of course not. No. Never judge. Never. That's not, that's not how we roll here. <laughs> this is a judgment-free zone. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Enjoy the final. All right. Thank you, you so too. much. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. And that was our interview with Sage Steele. You can check her out on NBA Countdown on ESPN and ABC when you watch the finals. Game and three. Game it's 3 nice. is upon us. When you listen to this podcast, it will <laughs> literally be hours before Game 3. I'm actually pretty nervous. Yeah, I'm not nervous. I mean, I'm not nervous for you. I know you're rooting for the Warriors, so I think... Unless I'm they nervous just for have the Cavs. like a 360 brain adjustment, you know. I mean, it's going to be a change in location, so you right, know, it could, it might help. Like totally, it looked like the Spurs in that Game Six against the Thunder, just like total meltdown. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. It wasn't like, but yeah. Anyway, thank you so much for checking out Ballin' Out Episode Three. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. And to just keep checking Billboard.com for, for all, all your content, content needs. Oh, and to follow us on Twitter, we've got Adele at A D E L L E P L A T O N, which is actually my first and last name, Adele Platon, and Natalie at Natalie Weiner, W E I N E R. No, it's not said Weiner, I promise. Um, and yeah, that's just my name too. We're pretty original over here. So thank you again for tuning in, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye.